Kentucky Court Furniture Clearance Center for up to 70% off new retail prices. Stock is updated regularly, so you never know what kind of treasures you'll find. We offer a wide variety of stylish furniture for any budget, and every piece is court certified, so you can let your personality show in every room. And now through April 3rd is our tax refund sale. Mention refund 25 and take 25% off living room and dining room beds. Use your refund and refresh your home with stylish finds from Court Furniture Clearance Center. Go to courtclearancefurniture.com today. You're listening to a Castaway Media Podcast. Find more great shows at castaway.media or find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash castawaypodcasts. Welcome to this bonus episode of Fair Game Podcast. This last weekend, Fair Game Cast went on tour. We were at the Women in Media Conference in Ballybunion, at which there was a special panel discussion about women in sport. The panel was organised by Sharon Hutchinson of sportswomen.ie, a website of which we're big fans of, and Sharon also chaired the panel. Here she is to tell us a bit more about it. Hi Sharon, so do you want to tell us a little bit about how you put this panel together, why you chose people on the panel, and then how it all came about? Well, um, I was actually at this event last year. Um, I came as part of the audience, and um, I must say I was really impressed with the calibre of speaker and all very successful women telling us their story. So um, there was no sport in that whole weekend, um, but I got talking to Joan O'Connor, the owner of the hotel, and who ran the event and I don't know whether it was her or me suggested it but anyway it came about and we've been kind of kept in touch and then in October said well let's go for it let's do this now first I thought actually the whole weekend to be about sport <laughs> it was actually only a little session but that was fine too so um, which was great actually because it didn't it wasn't going to be a huge event so I was thinking about what um, and I was happy to chair it I, I didn't really want to speak myself I wanted to get a group of experts or and, and from a variety of different backgrounds as well so we had Fiona Coughlin who is a player and who has who's gone on to be a commentator and all that as well so it was good she was kind of retired had come through the process and I wanted to see what her um what did she feel about media and how rugby was covered and, all that. and it has seen a huge change over the last couple of years so I wanted to see that perspective and then I w- definitely wanted someone from RTE because they're a national broadcasting service and they have a huge responsibility to cover women's sport and I couldn't understand why there isn't more so it was great we've got Cleen O'Leary um, who's deputy head of um, RTE TV sport so it was great to have her, she had the facts and the figures which I don't really understand and I'm, I'm getting my head around them and I know it's you know you can't just say let's put women's sport on TV and on the radio all the time we, okay you have to earn it too but the only thing is I do think women have to be the best to get on the radio whereas the men are just always there whether they have, get on well or not so and then Sport Ireland I actually was looking I would love to have more males on the panel so I did I would have liked John Tracy maybe from Sport Ireland so that's how then Anne McCarthy he wasn't available so Anne McCarthy came through there so it was great because in fairness they probably fund so much of our sport that we don't and I find with Sport Ireland we don't realise what the work that they actually do you know so it was great to see and hear and talk about that and then Emily obviously yourself um, I think it's great I, you know I've done the website thing 
but I think people's attention spans have reduced and it's either video or podcast so I think your idea of the podcast is brilliant and you know you've put a lot of thought into it even the length of time 40 minutes you know um, and you were saying it's, it's when you go out for a run it's you know you might go for a 40 minute run so you, you, you decided what, how long you were going to have it so I think it's great to have the podcast you know people find listening much easier than reading so that was great to get that and you're new as well which is great and then uh, Sue Rowan and then I just you know as, as you know national manager of the soccer team and I've, she came on my radar very early on as well you know you'd, you'd actually hear about her and she's been on TV as well as a pundit so it's great you know to have someone like that so uh, you know so they all said yes to me and arrived here today so as Sharon explained there the, the panel were pre- presented with the question can sports journalism be the Trojan horse for real change when it comes to women in sport and each panellist kind of had their main points that they, they wanted to present and put forward um, and of course our own Emily Glenn was part of that panel so Emily what was your what was your uh, main point? Yeah so I, I fundamentally believe that uh, sports media can be a, a force for real change. I think media coverage and the lack of media coverage is often um, the basis of this really vicious circle um, that says that you know low media coverage um, and, and poorly poor inconsistent media coverage um, is blamed on, on why there's low sponsorship and underfunding of women's sport and both of these things then also contribute to there being a low turnout rate for at women's fixtures and this is then perceived as general apathy from media bodies and from journalists who who don't cover the sport so it's, it's about disrupting what is a really vicious circle at some point and when you disrupt it I will I absolutely believe that there will be real, real change there was a study in in 2015 in the UK that uh, put the the rate of media coverage that was focused on women's sport at about seven percent and we don't have comparable figures for that in Ireland but PSG did a study last year and, and put the figure at about 3.3 percent and it's just not good enough it's just not good enough mm-hmm. and I think all of those myths about women in sport that you know women maybe aren't as athletic as men or women's sport is just different or it's not as good and fans are apathetic about women in sport they just all fall away when you show fans what they're missing mm-hmm. and it's a it's actually the the topic of media coverage was our very first episode uh, of fair game because it's such a big topic and there's so much to say on it and volume of coverage is I suppose the main point that people tend to dwell on and draw up stats for but Fiona Coughlin ex-Irish rugby captain and former guest of this show um, her main point in her address yesterday was the quality of the coverage and she she drew she kind of used as a reference the Irish team's performance at the 2014 World Cup where they first of all became the only Irish team ever to beat the All Blacks but then in the in the next round in the, in the semi-finals um, they put they put on a really bad show of rugby against England and the team knew it themselves and Fiona was acknowledging that you know they didn't the coverage didn't reflect the performance it was very pat on the back well mm-hmm. done great girls but it did not analyse the performance that they put on and that was a real bone of contention for her and so we, we just we just asked Fiona to kind of follow up on that a bit more yeah I suppose you're looking for that 
I suppose equality at the end of the day and we want to be seen as athletes not necessarily sports women sports people athletes and um, that comes back to the coverage of the game or how the game is analysed and when I'm looking at a game I'm just looking at it as a sport and it doesn't matter who's playing or what team's playing and I just it would be important I think for I suppose female sports to get the recognition that they eventually deserved is that it's critiqued positively when it's good but also negatively when it's not good and just I think you'll get more buy-in from people if that's the case Mm -hmm. and um, like is there is is there any is there any sports that you think kind of stand up to that standard where that kind of patronising carry-on doesn't pay through or is is there Hmm, yeah I suppose like tennis probably when when they're not performing well they get it but um, I suppose there's not enough coverage of women's sport to actually you know people just pick up on it when they're doing well so that's when we see the stories that they are success stories so there's not enough coverage for it to be negative but um, I think it is important to grow female sport and for them to be considered athletes that when it's not a good game or it's not a good performance that it is highlighted mm-hmm. It's really interesting to hear from Fiona how the general kind of theme is that women's teams and, and female athletes need to succeed first and then media coverage follows whereas men's teams can routinely underperform and they just get blanket coverage. It doesn't really seem very fair um, and often the target for this outrage is TV. Why are fixtures not shown? Why can we not see this? Why can fans not get access? So it was really interesting to have the deputy head of RTE Television Sport, Kleena O'Leary, to talk to us about why and, and how, I suppose, um, how our national broadcaster works with governing bodies to secure the television rights to women's sporting fixtures. Mm. It was a really interesting presentation from Kleena because... She also had the, the viewing facts and figures, like a, a, a detailed breakdown of that with, with some really interesting findings, such as a lot more men support women's sport than women, which I think is probably an entire conversation to be had on another podcast. On another episode of Fair Game. But um, yeah, so here's Kleena to, to break down the, the process of securing broadcasting rights a bit more. So Kleena, as Deputy Head of RT TV Sport, um, just a major part of your job is liaising with sports organisations to ensure rights for broadcast. Can you just explain that that process to to those of us who may not know how things like that work behind the scenes? Yeah, I mean, um, I suppose Royal primarily does a lot of the negotiations with sports organisations. But then, uh, when we talk about you know trying to see what we can do in order to try and get maybe some more coverage for certain sports events, then um, then we we do sit down and and discuss it through. And um, we have had some success with that. And so. We have um, in the past, say, worked with uh, sports organisations and with sponsors um, to try and make uh, find a way to be able to maybe uh, put a bit more um, coverage of, of women's sport out there. Um, and I mean, so and, and actually, in the next com- in the next few days, hopefully, we will have news on that um, on, on a new um, expanding of, of, of a particular tournament that we'll have. But I mean, I suppose there is there is there is parity of coverage in a lot of what we do as well. I mean, the Olympic Games, the Paralympic Games, the European Athletics Championships. There is women and men competing um, with equal billing on all of those sports. And when it comes to looking for rights as well for, say, boxing, um, we'd always make sure that we uh, cover the women's boxing. Uh, well, we would bid for it, not necessarily get it, but we would bid for the women's boxing because of Katie's success, and um, as well as bidding for the men's boxing because um, because of their success as well. You know, so um, but you know, in terms of sports organisations and the 
the importance of, of what they do um, to, to support the women's game and working with us. Um, just recently, um, we've heard that the Six Nations are changing. Um, they're, um, they're actually now going to put in OBs to every game um, from next year for the next three years, um, which is fantastic news. So they'll have an outside broadcast to cover. Um, so, you know, we'll have consistency of coverage of the women's um, Six Nations. And uh, we're putting a bit in for that. Not necessarily we will get it, but um, we would hope to have um, much more comprehensive coverage of the Six Nations from now on. Also, the IRB married the Six Nations, uh, their, uh, the, uh, sorry, the IRB married their um, bid, a tender process for this, their Rugby World Cup with the Men's Rugby World Cup. They put the Women's Rugby World Cup in there as well. So now you have um, all broadcasters are putting an amount of money beside the Women's and the Men's Rugby World Cup and we know that in this territory there'll be comprehensive coverage of the next two Women's Rugby World Cups which is fantastic news. Cleaner reference some major tournaments there and of course major tournaments are where every athlete wants to be because they bring with them a natural spike in exposure be it broadcast, radio, print, online coverage it's, everyone wants to spread the good word of how a team are doing at a major tournament and one team that are doing their best to get to their first ever major tournament is the Irish women's soccer team who are aiming to qualify for the European Championships in 2017. We both know that major tournament personalities aren't built overnight and to talk to us about the importance of role models um, in attracting media coverage was the Republic of Ireland women's national team manager Sue Ronan who is also the FAI's head of women's football um, and she had some really interesting points on developing grassroots level. We started a programme called Soccer Sisters uh, specifically to introduce more numbers into the game so more young girls. Um, it's for girls between 7 and 11 years of age. Uh, they play football in a fun safe environment on a weekly basis um, and that programme since it started in 2008 has been responsible for introducing 25,000 new girls into the game, young girls. Um, many of them have gone on to join clubs uh, and, and indeed some of them have been on our recent successful underage national squads so that's the, the pathway they've taken you know so that programme's been huge for us introducing girls getting more numbers playing the game and getting them to like football whether they go on to the elite level or whether they just play for the local club you know and stay in the game it, it doesn't matter it's just getting more young girls playing the game um, those girls of course then are, are looking, at, looking for role models and, and we're at the other end of the, the pathway then we have role models of the national team um, we have like Stephanie Roach who, who obviously has done great things and has achieved uh, great, um, prof- a great profile from the goal that was nominated for the Puskas Award two years ago um, we have other players as well who, who are on the national team a long time again Byrne, the captain has been playing for the national team since 1996 um, the current player of the year Denise O'Sullivan has just joined a professional club in the USA so all those players when's the women's national team match uh, at home um, the amount of time those the team spends after a game uh, speaking to their fans you know there's great access for the fans they, they give autographs they get photographs taken and we get feedback from parents to say that their daughters have the time of their life and they're going to bed in their green jersey and they want to be a footballer you know and that's what it's all about it's about providing um, a programme for young girls to play it's about, it's about showing them their role models there showing them what they can achieve and just getting them interested in the game you know and, and in fairness we have been very good at that um, then when you, when you step up the ladder we also have a programme
programs, elite programs uh, for, for girls that are playing seriously, that are becoming good talents. They take place at local level in leagues and they take place national level then um, at different regions. We have seven different regions where we bring the best of the best together. Um, so again, that's continuing the pathway uh, for those girls to try to get them onto our national squads. And then I think when they get to, to national level, um, they're treated just the same as the boys' underage squads and, and the, the, the national squads. So yeah, all this is, it's on the up and, and it's looking good. Sport is nothing without its governing bodies and Anne McCarthy from Sport Ireland joined us to talk about Sport Ireland's strategic plan to get more women involved in changing the game. It's so important for Sport Ireland. Sport Ireland is a state agency for sport in Ireland and we have responsibility to make sure that we support athletes, not just at an elite level, but also at a participation as well. Um, our local sports partnerships and the national governing bodies of sport, they, through our Women's Sport Programme, which has been in existence since 2005, have these programmes in place that there is opportunities for women to participate in sports. Through our investment that we give national governing bodies, our high performance and our international cardin as well, athletes can avail of not just investment but the facilities that we have at the Institute of Sport um, the nutritional advice that we give absolutely everything that enables them so that they, they can excel on the world stage which is so so important So those were some of the main points made by the five panellists under the, the topic can sports journalism be the Trojan horse for real change at the Women in Media Conference in Ballybunion this weekend it was a great panel lots of great insights from people and at the end of it it was opened up to the floor which uh which produced quite a robust Q&A between the audience and the, so, some of the panellists. And there was a couple of journalists among the audience who, who raised the question of you know, the role of PROs in providing journalists with information, that if they were provided with more information, that they'd write more about women's sports. And I personally just don't think that logic applies. I, I, th- I think because it was directed towards Sue Ronan and the FAI in particular, I kind of took umbrage to it because they are one of the best organisations at providing information uh, on their men's teams, their women's teams, both national leagues and even under even age. Even under age, they're really so good. I just thought that that, that that argument directed at Sue Ronan was really redundant because the, the person, the man posing the question obviously wasn't signed up to the FAI's PR mailing list. Because if he was, he'd know you get bombarded pretty heavily. And, I mean, all the better for doing so. I think he did have a point. He didn't make it very well, to be fair. But he did have a point about how lax some of the governing bodies can be in in promoting what's happening with their women's teams. Um, You know, it can be really hard to find information about some of our elite sportswomen. Um, And... You know, sometimes even when we call them to ask for information, it can be a little bit like pulling teeth, like, you know, so he did have he did have a point about, you know, journalists can't cover things that governing bodies don't tell them about. And if there is at times what may feel like an obstruction of information, then it, you know, it shouldn't be investigative journalism to cover a fixture. Mm hmm. That's maybe not how we phrased it. (laughs) And you're totally right, directing it at Sue Ronan when the FAI are by far, well, they're pretty good. They're really pretty good. Yeah, they are. And so, yeah, I suppose as as an overall takeaway from from the panel, um, I'd have to go with something that Fiona Coughlin said as part of her speech, which really resonated with me. And, And she said, are we still going to be having this conversation in 10 years' time, I wonder? And... I sincerely hope not. I think the tide is definitely turning um, and kind of growing bored of, of the conversation of 
ranting and raving as to, as to why we need more media coverage. Um, well, it, it was the main motivation behind us starting this podcast. We, we wanted to hear a podcast about women's sports. There wasn't one, so we made one. So I think it comes back to that, to just having that drive to get out and support women's sport. That's what it all comes back to, and everything else will fall into place afterwards. I'd have to agree on that point. I think her point was really direct and... Um, given that it's Fiona Captain, Fiona Coughlin Captain, fantastic even for Fiona Captain as I've now called her, uh, making that point, I think it was really, um, yeah, really, really important to make. And you know, when you kind of stop being outraged, or maybe even just start putting your outrage to good use and start being a part of the positive change, disrupting that vicious cycle that we were talking about earlier, you know, that's really when I, I kind of do think that sports journalism can be the Trojan horse for real change. Mm. So that's that's our two cents on what we took away from the from the panel, um, and now we're going to hear from the from the other panelists themselves about what what was their big takeaway from the day. So your your panel posed the question to us: Do you think that sports journalism can be a Trojan horse for positive change in in for women's sports, women in sport? What do you think? Well, I suppose I myself I concentrated so much on the media, but mm-hmm. I, do, you know, even coming out today, and I think it was Anne McCarthy said it. You know, it's not just about the media; it's all sorts. But obviously, this is a women in media weekend, so that was the subject of it. Um, but I do think it has a huge role. Uh, media it has huge power. It's getting out to everybody. You know, you're in the car listening to your radio. You know, it's on TV, social, on, online. You know, so I, I think media has has a huge part to play. There are obviously that those other factors where um, governing bodies need to get their information out there. They need to produce a good product. I understand all that, but I, I think media for me is is the real focus. Can sports journalism be a Trojan horse for change in in women's sports? Discuss. Yeah, I think it's definitely a vital cog. Um, but it's part of a lot of cogs and I think they sports journalists need to work with governing bodies with the athletes with sponsors to kind of come together and I, I, I suppose work together to put women's athletes women athletes kind of up there where they should be um, and it's going to take time but yeah they have a vital role to play in it yes I think sports journalism um, can be a Trojan horse but I think think that you can't look at that in isolation I think that there's an awful lot of factors at play when you look at um, uh, women's sport and how maybe we can get more coverage for it across the media and, um, and sports bodies sponsors but every individual really has a part to play in that as well I absolutely think uh, sports journalism can be the Trojan horse. Um, I think it stirs up interest. It will increase participation because of that interest. Um, it provides role models uh, to create more interest and more awareness. Um, so for sure, I think we need the media and we need sports journalism to be profiling women's sport in general, indeed women's football in my case, to, to encourage young girls to play. We need to look at the bigger picture. It's a part, but it's not the only part. Obviously, um, Sport Ireland works very closely with the Irish Times for um, Irish Times Sport Ireland Sportswoman of the Year awards. So every month there is a Sportswoman of the Month, and at the end of the year in December, the overall winner is announced. Um, but we need to look at national governing bodies as well. How themselves, how they promote the sport, how we 
through our own social channels, through local media too, is very, very important. And that we go out and we go and we attend um, matches or fixtures that are coming up, that we physically are there and not just there behind the media, mm. but actually at the events itself, which in turn will lead the topic of conversation and get it on the media's agenda even more. But we do need to take responsibility ourselves and how we actually can promote the sport too. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Fair Game Cast that we recorded with some of the panellists from the Women in Sport panel at the Women in Media Conference last weekend in Ballybunion. You can check out our archive of previous episodes at castaway.media forward slash fair game. And also make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or whatever app that you use to get your podcast. Just type in fair game to the search and you'll be the first to get every new episode as it's released. While you're online, flick over there to Twitter for a pretty constant stream of updates about women in sport at Fair Gamecast. That's it for this episode and we'll talk to you again soon. This was a Castaway Media production. Find more great podcasts on our network. Visit castaway.media. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.5%, APR 4.78%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 2% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 33. 